the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. As we come to our Friday broadcast, we do so with our series firmly in view, The Reality of Sin. Join us for Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner next. would seem almost oxymoronic, wouldn't it? A series called The Reality of Sin on a program called Abounding Grace. Yet there is a juxtaposition here that is really quite remarkable and amazing. And this is why we're in the middle of our series on the reality of sin. Because if you realize just how serious sin really is, you then begin to understand just how abounding grace really is. Welcome to our program from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. I'd really like to tell you all today that everyone is basically good. But of course I can't tell you that. I can tell you that all true Christians are basically good. And that everyone else outside of Christ is totally depraved. Now how in the world can I be so bold as to say such a thing? Doesn't that come across as a bit of snobbery? Do Christians think they're better than everyone else? No. I wouldn't even think of saying such a thing much... uh, I wouldn't even think of such a thing much less say it. If the Bible didn't say it. And since the Bible is the very word of God, we must believe in whatever it says. And it teaches clearly that everyone in the world but true Christians are totally depraved to the very core of their being. And they are in rebellion against God and under God's condemnation. In other words, basically evil. And true Christians who have been born from above by the power of God's Spirit, though they are not perfect until they die, they are basically good. Now, it's not because of anything they have earned or achieved or that any of us have done for ourselves, for which we can somehow take credit and pat ourselves on the back and take pride in, but solely in spite of our weaknesses and our sin. It is because of what God in Jesus Christ has done for us in our lives, and which we have simply received by faith. There's nothing about the new life, the goodness that marks a Christian, for which he can take any credit at all. Because it is all of God from first to last. And the one passage of scripture that bears this all out is the passage that Larry read today, Romans 5, 
verses 12 through 21. Because these are the verses that clearly tell us that all men are basically evil until they are born from above through faith in Christ. And then they are basically good, although not perfect, until they go to be with Jesus in their death. This passage of Scripture also answers some other important questions that people usually ask, at least thinking people. Number one, why did sin spread so rapidly in the human race if God made Adam and Eve perfect? If Adam and Eve at the beginning were such perfect creatures, why is it that in just a few centuries... The entire human race was utterly corrupt. And that's not an exaggeration. Turn with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 6. And remember, this is just a few chapters after God created an Adam and Eve. And lo and behold, everyone is wicked, but just a few. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. Then the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. How did they fall that far so quickly? Look over at verse 11. Now the earth was corrupt in the sight of God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked on the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way upon the earth. Yet just a few centuries earlier, Adam and Eve were made perfect in the perfect Garden of Eden. Look over in the 8th chapter of Genesis, the 21st verse. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. Now these are pretty damning assessments of the entire human race, filled with violence, all flesh corrupt, every thought of his heart wicked. Just a few centuries after God created man absolutely perfect without sin. And to this very day, every human being that has ever been born and had a human father and a human mother has been a sinner. There is not one single exception. No human being that has ever lived who has had a human father and a human mother has been anything but a sinner. Of course, this leaves out Jesus Christ. Now, why? Why has sin and death spread so rapidly and continuously throughout the human race? There's another way we can ask it. Why do parents have so much trouble raising their children from their very earliest days? Why did our parents have so much trouble raising us? I mean, if we are basically good, then shouldn't we be able to let our children go and expect them to naturally become good people? Shouldn't we? Why is it that we have to spank them and rebuke them, 
and correct them and discipline them. In other words, why is it that we are all born sinners? We live in a culture that believes in a mythological age of accountability. Where before that age, eight, nine, maybe ten, they're not accountable for all of their actions because we're told they really don't know the difference between good and evil. But after that age, when they suddenly mature, all of a sudden, they know the difference between good and evil and are then to be held accountable for all of their sins thereafter. Beloved, that's a myth. The Bible says you don't become a sinner when you commit your first sin. The Bible says you came out of your mother's womb a sinner. Now, if you think that's an exaggeration, let's look at a couple of passages to see why this is so. I'm going to read Psalm 51.5. And I'm going to read this from a couple of different translations so you can really get the point here. The first one is from the New American Standard Version. Psalm 51.5, where David is giving us an account of his infancy. He says, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin my mother conceived me. Now, that does not mean his mother sinned when he was conceived. The point is, he personally was conceived a sinner. And the New International Version brings it out even more clearly when it says, Surely I have been a sinner from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So here you have the testimony of Scripture that we were sinners the moment we were conceived. There has never been a time in the life of any human being, except Christ, in which the sinner has not been a sinner from conception to death. And David said, not only was I born a sinner, I was conceived a sinner. And if you think that isn't bad enough, turn to Psalm 58. And here you'll see an assessment of that cute little baby that some of you are holding out there. Let's see how cute and sweet he or she is. Psalm 58, verses 3 and 4. The wicked are estranged from the womb. Those who speak lies go astray from birth. They have venom like the venom of a serpent, like a deaf cobra that stops up its ears. That cute, sweet little baby, such a soft, cuddly thing, has the poison of a copperhead under its lips. It came forth from your womb, anxious to commit its first sin, speaking lies. Now, why is it? The Bible is clear on this. Nothing could be more clear. Little babies are not sweet innocent things. Beloved, they are sinners from the moment they are conceived. Now, why are we born sinners? 
Why has sin spread so rapidly throughout the whole human race, including every single person? Well, the answer is right here in Romans 5. Now, if you remember when Larry read this text, look at with me again, if you will. You'll notice that it is a parallel between the first man that ever lived, Adam, and the Lord Jesus Christ. And in order to understand this parallel, it draws some contrast between these two men and between those who are related to them, spiritually speaking. So in order to understand this parallel between Christ and Adam, and this is actually the whole theme of this chapter of Romans, we must assume there are certain things that are true. Number one, we've got to assume that Adam is as historical as Jesus or this whole parallel will fall apart. One cannot be a mythological character, while the other is an historical character, if this parallel is to stand. You have to assume Adam is as real as Jesus, and that Jesus is as real as Adam. They are two actual personages. Secondly, you have to understand that both of these men were appointed by God to be the two pivotal people in the history of mankind. If you were to be given a test and asked who are the two most important people in the history of the world, they would be Adam and Jesus. No one in all of history even compares to the importance of these two historical characters. They were appointed by God to be the two most pivotal men in the history of the world. And every one of us in this room, in our life right now, our future, our destiny, from here on out, throughout all eternity, depends upon and is characterized by a relationship to both of these men. So don't think this is some little theological treatise that is irrelevant to you who are here today. Your future is all wrapped up with what these two men did and your relationship to them. And you will never understand yourself or your future unless you understand them in light of and in relationship to the two most important men in the history of mankind, Adam and Jesus. Now here's the third thing you've got to assume. And that is each one of these men was appointed by God as a representative of a race of people. Not marked by the color of their skin or their ethnic background, but a race of people, one of who is a race of unregenerate people. And Adam represents those people who are unregenerate. While Jesus represents a race of regenerate people. Let me put it another way. First, the word regenerate. Generate means to produce. Regenerate means to be produced again, to be born again, to be transformed by the power of the gospel of Christ. Jesus is the representative of a race of men who are characterized by the fact that they have experienced an inner transformation of the inner spirit. Or to put it another way, Adam is the representative before God, of everyone who does not believe in Jesus. Now, let me make it just as simple and as clear as I possibly can. 
God deals with people through representatives. That's not only clear from Scripture, that's clear in life. You see this illustrated in every area of life. Fathers represent their families, legally, socially, and in just about every other way. Elders represent the church. Congressmen represent their constituency and supposedly the Constitution. And this thing of representation is something that goes through all of life. And the reason it goes through all of life is because God deals with people only, only through representatives. You up and by yourself cannot go to God and say, I don't need the Bible, I don't need Jesus, I don't need a mediator. You know, I'm just going to go up to God and go myself to God. All I need is God and me. That's it. Who ever told you that? Did, did someone make this up? On what basis do you have to believe that you and God are all that you need? You have no rational reason to believe that whatsoever. That is something you either just made up in your own mind, or it is something someone told you that sounded good, and so you adopted it. But there is no rationale whatsoever for believing this, my friends. But you say, preacher, it all makes sense to me. And I stand here and tell you, you have absolutely no reason to trust your reason or your sense about any of this. There is only one way to go to God. There is only one way to go to God, and that is through the mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because God only deals with people through representatives. And God deals with the whole human race who are not Christians through Adam as their representative. And remember, a representative acts on our behalf. What he does affects us all, just like our legislators in Washington, D.C. and in Sacramento. They vote, and all of us are affected by their votes. You know, a lot of people complain when Barack Obama or some of our congressmen go on vacation too often. Well, I certainly do not. I wish they would be on vacation all the time because we would be a lot safer. <clears throat> because of that representation. But anyway, when a representative acts, it affects everyone whom he represents. And that is the way it is with Adam. God set up the human race in such a way that Adam represents everything that is descendant of him, which is every one of us. And whatever he did affects every single one of us. Then God sent Jesus as a representative. Because Adam failed. And now whatever Jesus did affects everyone he came to represent. All of those who believe in him as their Lord and Savior. Now, that is very important to remember. That these two representatives pass on to those whom they represent the effects of their life's work. Each one of these two representatives, the two most important people in the history of the world with whom our whole future is bound up, passes on to those each represents 
the effects and consequences of his life work, his behavior, and his choices. What Adam chose, what Adam did, affects all of us. What Jesus chose, what Jesus Christ did, affects everyone whom he came to represent. Now let's look at the text. And the first question we want to ask is this. How does our biological and representative relationship with Adam affect us today? I mean, after all, that was at least 6,000 years ago. So how in the world did something that happened in the beginning of the human race affect you and me in modern 2015 America? Our biological, covenantal, representative relationship with Adam, how does that affect us today? Well, our text tells us it affects us in three ways. And remember... At the point of repetition, that since Adam was the representative of the entire human race outside of Christ, whatever Adam did, every one of us feels the effects of. Now remember that. Now there are three ways that, our, that your relationship with Adam affected you before you were a Christian. And if you are not a Christian here today, these three ways affect you right now. First of all, Adam sinned when he ate of the forbidden fruit after God told him not to. And that was a deliberate act of disobedience. He chose to follow his own whims and desires rather than to submit to the will of God. And that is where sin entered into the world. When this passage speaks of that one transgression... That one sin that affects us all, it is talking about when Adam and Eve ate of that fruit. And the most terrible thing about it is that it was a direct, self-conscious, deliberate rebelling and disobedience against Almighty God. Choosing to follow their own preferences rather than the command of God. Now, how does that choice on Adam's part affect us today if? We are not Christians today. Adam's sin brought death and the reign of death to all of his descendants. You die because you are kin to Adam. If you could have gotten out of being a descendant of Adam somehow, you might not have to die. But of course, not one of us can pull that off. Because everyone is a direct descendant of Adam and will die, and they will remain under the reign of death until their lives are subdued to the rule of Christ because of their relationship with Adam. Look at some verses with me. And please listen carefully to this. Verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man, of course, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and death spread to all men because all sinned, in Adam. Look at verse 14. Nevertheless, sin reigned from Adam to Moses. Verse 15. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one man Adam, the many whom he represented died. Verse 17. For if by the transgression of one, death reigned through the one. Verse 21. That as sin reigned in death. So you see in these several verses what we inherit in Adam. From your parents, you inherit 
certain physical traits, you know, the color of your eyes, certain physical features. So in Adam, you inherit death. Adam's sin introduced death into the world. Now listen, there's nothing normal and natural about death. And that is Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church here in San Jose with today's broadcast of Abounding Grace. As we close out our time today, I'd leave you with our address, phone number, and our website. We'd love to hear from you. It always means a great deal to us when we hear somebody who has been listening to the program and being encouraged by it. it makes a big deal for us. 408-866-5607 is that phone number. Again, call us, 408 408- 866-5607. Or visit our website and leave us an email, reformedheritage.org. That's reformedheritage.org. And we also have past messages available, uh, an extensive library of audio that you can tap into at any time for free, right there at our website, again, reformedheritage.org. Other resource materials are available from that website as well. If you'd rather write to us, the address is Abounding Grace, PMB 402, 1484 Pollard Road. That is here in Los Gatos. The zip code is 95032. Normally, we'd invite you to join us for worship, but since we have been suspended because of the COVID-19 crisis, we invite you to visit our website instead and pick out a couple of recent messages that Pastor Gary has delivered here at Reformed Heritage Church. Again, reformedheritage.org. We'll also give you updates at that website as to when we return to normal worship. And you're always welcome to call us as well for that kind of information, 408-866-5607. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner. (music) 